welcome to the My Breast, My Health podcast. My name is Tasha Gendimahaja and I'm your host and I'm also a breast cancer surgeon. In this podcast, I interview experts in the field of medicine, surgery, nutrition, as well as the health and wellness space. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I'm having a conversation with Dr. Peter Davis. Peter is a histopathologist who is an extremely important member of the multidisciplinary team because he is the person who examines all the tissues that we take from the breast. Whether that is a biopsy sample or a specimen from an operation, he and his team are the people who analyzes it in the lab and comes back to us with a diagnosis. Now, this is the second episode of a two-part series where Peter and I talk about the various benign conditions that we may find when we examine breast tissue underneath the microscope. Now, this could either be following a biopsy or after surgery. If you missed the first part, head over to mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode 28 or on your app, just click to the previous episode and you can listen to it straight after. In this episode, we talk about all things benign, which include fibrosis, ADH, radial scar, as well as microcalcification. So let's dive in and listen to my conversation with Dr. Peter Davis. And we start where I left off from the previous episode. How about sclerosing adenosis? That's a very long word. And um, it's something that we do find. You <laughs> we know, like long words. <laughs> no, you, yeah. Pathologists love that you love long <laughs> words. It's, you know, it sounds kind of complicated. But let's, let's talk a little bit about what sclerosing adenosis means. Because we do find that some, you know, uh, not infrequently in, in, a biopsy, in a biopsy result, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. It's uh, again, it's a little bit one of these. It's one of these words that you, you can kind of deconstruct a bit. And um, osis means a lot of stuff. And adeno is another word for glands. And so, the, as I said, the breast has glands within it and sometimes they can proliferate a bit. And then you have adenosis, which is kind of too much gland. When that gets a bit scarred up and fibrotic, that's what we call sclerosis. And so sclerosing adenosis is lots of glands that have got fibrous tissue in and amongst them and between them and around them. And what fibrous tissue does um, is a little bit like a scar. If you've, if you've ever had a scar on your hand, it tends to sort of pull in a bit, doesn't it? It pulls in and contracts a bit and it can look a little bit like a, like a, a spider yeah and in the breast tissue fibrous tissue can do that too so if you have a a, a scar or a, or a sclerotic process it pulls the breast tissue around it in a little bit and it becomes a bit denser and so that can start to show up on uh the x-ray and uh so sclerosing lesions of the breast can look a little bit concerning but sclerosing adenosis is is almost like a smaller version of of that process and and we see it incidentally in breast core biopsies and it's a, an entirely benign process but because you've got contracted breast tissue and lots of glands it can be a pitfall it can be a little thing that's sometimes at risk of being confused with early cancers because early cancers can often have glands that are very very close together again right. and they can look a bit sclerosed or fibrotic and distorted and so sclerosing adenosis is one of those things that is completely benign 
and very easily confirmed as such. But again, it's one of those times when I'll often get my immunohistochemistry out and just make sure that I am genuinely seeing benign glands. Right. Okay, so that actually brings us nicely to the next one, which is fibrosis. So the breast, um, we've talked about the glands and the ducts, and we've said it's got lots of fat in it. Um, But obviously, uh, between all of those, there's something to hold it all together. And that's a a kind of a a sort of a skeleton of the breast, if you like. And it's not like bone. Um, (laughs) It's just soft, um, stringy material um, that that holds everything in place in the breast and that fibrous tissue is natural and normal and is present throughout the normal breast Um, but now and again there'll just be little areas within the breast where there's a little bit more right and that can be a reaction to previous injury it could be a follow-on from fat necrosis that's kind of organized itself into fibrous tissue sometimes it's a scar from a previous procedure or injury other times we never really get to the bottom of why it's there, but there could be a little bit of fibrosis and that can show up as as something that just looks a little bit abnormal, uh, just a slightly abnormal change on a mammogram and prompt a core biopsy. And it's if it's a particularly irregular uh, area of fibrosis, it can can just sort of, you know, look a bit contracted and, and raise concern for something, uh, something malignant. And that's when, when we tend to put a needle in it and, uh, and get a biopsy. That's really useful. So fibrosis is a benign thing, nothing to worry about. We do, as you said, we do see it sometimes on, on scans. And just to be absolutely certain it's nothing worrying, we do do a biopsy of that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is ADH, which stands for mm, atrial sure. ductal hyperplasia. Let's, can you talk about, yeah. about that and what that actually means? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I mentioned a bit earlier that the the risk of progression from of, of some things that we find is determined by what the epithelium is doing. So a, a lesion in itself might be completely benign, but it might have some epithelial proliferation in it. And the lining of these ducts um, can proliferate up. And I think we talked about DCIS or ductal carcinoma in situ last time. Yes. And that's really where there's malignant change in the ducts. But ADH is is a funny beast, which is a proliferation of the epithelium lining the ducts. And it can be associated with ductal carcinoma. And what we find is that when we find genuine ADH, atypical ductal hyperplasia, about 10 to 20% of patients that subsequently have a further excision will turn out to have DCIS. So it's something that does have a risk of progression um, and it does seem to share some of the genetic abnormalities that we see in some of the low-grade tumours that can develop. But it's a proliferation which prompts um, further investigation. Now, when we take a core biopsy from an area and find atypical ductal hyperplasia, um, what we want to know is, uh, is there more of it? And that's why we don't tend to diagnose it on a core alone. We'll tend to suggest that it's a possibility. Uh, and there is a horribly named thing called 
um, atypical intradductal epithelial proliferation, AIDEP. I told you we love our long names. <laughs> um, but that's what we that's what we call it. But what we mean when we say that is we say, uh, we're saying, can we have some more tissue, please? Right. And the reason why we want some more tissue is so that we can decide whether or not this funny looking proliferation in the epithelium is or isn't atypical ductal hyperplasia. And uh, a lot of the time, that's when you'd suggest doing a vacuum excision yeah, and take out a bit more tissue. Right. So if you, um, you, you did a core biopsy and it came back as ADH and we did a vacuum biopsy and it came back as ADH, then what happens? Well, then, then I think that's an MDT discussion, isn't it? And and uh, if we just have ADH, then uh, th- there's uh, a lot of mileage in saying, well, actually, we can just follow the patient up. Um, but of course, if there is any concern, or if there's concern that there may be worse, then that's when you want to go down a, a more of an excisional route. Right. Um, but if if you have the entire area that radiologically was raising concern and we've sampled it and there's nothing more than ADH, um, then uh, if we feel we've, we've got that area all out, then there's, there's uh, an opportunity to just follow up. Okay, so the next thing is radial scar. So talk about radial scars. Yeah, so radial scar, is, it, it kind of brings a lot of this together in a way because we talked about fibrosis and we talked about um, sclerosing adenosis, which is, is sort of in some ways in a similar family of uh, things that sclerose, things that fibrose. And just as I said, scars on the skin can contract and look a bit like a spider. Radial scar can look the same on a, on a mammogram and it can look like the, the, the breast tissue is pulled together. And unfortunately, that stellate or sort of star-like appearance is something that cancers can do radiologically too, which is why there's uh, a concern to see uh, a biopsy of this. And what we see on the biopsy from a, a radial scar is a lot of distortion because that fibrous tissue is pulling in the ducts around it. And tends to throw them into funny shapes. They tend to be quite irregular. And the stroma, that fibrous tissue around them, uh, looks very contracted and compressed and pink. And there tend to be cysts around the outside. And the whole thing is a bit of a trick to work out. And, And again, I know it sounds like I'm making out that pathology is actually really easy, but I just get my immunohistochemistry out. And uh, again, it sounds like that's the answer to everything. It's, it's often actually not the answer to everything. Magic it can confuse things even more, but it's the magic, the magic immuno. Yeah, but uh, so it's, this is another one of those uh, circumstances where I need to be absolutely sure that distorted ducts in a radial scar are distorted because the fibrous tissue around them is compressing and contracting them rather than being distorted because they're actually invading the tissue around them. Yes. And that's the key distinction between benign and malignant. And it's it's actually where a lot of the time and the effort and the probably frustration as to why the biopsy is not ready uh, for an MDT beating comes in because it's such a difficult call sometimes. Um, so radial scar, it's also sometimes known as complex sclerosing lesion. So people might see in their reports either complex sclerosing lesion or radial scar. They're different names, the same thing. When you can see the whole thing, if they're ever excised, 
they've got quite a characteristic appearance and that's where the name comes from it looks like a scar and it looks radial it with uh, all the ducts sort of radiating out around this central scar right. um, but the problem is when you put a needle through that we're only seeing part of it right. and that's where the difficulty comes from in getting the diagnosis on a biopsy right um they are in themselves thought to be entirely benign but as you said earlier that uh, that these some of these lesions are often associated with other proliferations and it's exactly the same in a radial scar and they can have within them things like adh they can have ductal carcinoma in situ even within them they can have all sorts of changes which we need to be really careful to assess properly um, so that we can make sure that we're not just dismissing something that's been seen radiologically as a radial scar too easily Uh, we need to be quite uh, open-minded with these and quite careful that's why we give them quite a bit of time when we're investigating and, you know, again, when you do your analysis, you know, you look at, you look at a specimen under the microscope and you, you'll say things like, okay, there's, there's this, this and this within this specimen. And collectively, we can then decide, okay, well, we're happy with that. Actually, you know, it looks all benign or mm, maybe we need to do something more and get more tissue. So we look at it in a collective fashion, don't we? We do. I, I think that's where the, you know, the kind of mutual respect and listening to each other really, really comes in because the the T in team, of course, is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those real, real short words. But I think we do have a really good team and because I need to make sure that I don't go too far in falsely reassuring you guys. Yeah. And obviously you're doing the same for me of, of not trying to talk me into saying, oh, actually, we're not really that worried about this thing. We all need to have open minds and be a bit challenging of each other. But, you know, in, in, a, in a way that makes sure that we're we're all really sure about this and we're putting the jigsaw puzzle together really carefully and no one's trying to force that bit to go with the other bit that it doesn't really want to sit with so as just you know collective discussion is so important in these cases which actually can be quite challenging sometimes because when things are not as clear-cut you think okay you know you've got all of these really busy busy cells and um you know a breast that's quite busy as we as we would call it um it's not an obvious cancer but there's something you know not quite right and these are the the, the cases where we actually have to spend a lot of time discussing yeah i mean we've you know we've to some degree we've implied um by talking about these one at a time that we only ever see one of them in one breast that's right but of course the reality is that we often see a lot of them together um and so uh a, a busy breast if you like it can be uh there can be a, there can be a lot going on yeah yeah definitely so um I think we're nearly at the end. A, couple, a few more. Um, the other, the other. Uh, I'll join this. <laughs> a long list. The, the other, the other thing that we sometimes um, find is something called PASH. So that's P A S H. Oh, PASH is. I'm passionate about PASH. This is <laughs> this is a this is a great one. If you thought some of those were long, this is. Wait for it. Pseudo angiomatous stromal hyperplasia. Yeah. It's so long. Oh, I need to lie down now. Yeah, it's a long one. That's why we call it PASH. Um, <laughs> it is a funny kind of fibrosis. I guess that the pseudo bit is probably the best place to start. It looks a bit like an angiomatous. An angioma, angi means blood vessels, and oma means lump. 
And so this looks a bit like a blood vessel lump, hyperplasia, because it's growing too much, and stromal, because it's a tumour of all those fibrous cells that we've already mentioned. So putting it all together, you've got a rather distinctive kind of fibrosis that looks like it's forming blood vessels. And when I get the immuno out, because, you know, that's what we do, um, (laughs) I can actually highlight some cells in there that look a little bit like blood vessels, but aren't, strangely. And so the, the, the reason for mentioning this and calling it something different from fibrosis, other than the fact that it's an excuse to have a great name, um, is really that fibrosis is more diffuse and can look a bit more like a scar, whereas PASH can form quite well demarcated, distinct lumps. And so it can form a mass. It can be diffuse, but it can form a mass too. So it's one of these things that has a, a, a sort of slightly puzzling clinical and pathological correlation until the penny drops and you realize that what you're looking at um, down the microscope isn't just ordinary fibrosis it's it's uh pseudoangiomatous and uh, <laughs> no again less. despite the oma bit it, it's it's not it's been completely benign and uh, the o- the oma bit in it isn't anything to worry about great so pash is absolutely uh, despite its very long name it's benign so we don't need to worry about pash Okay, so um, two more, I think. <laughs> hamatoma. What is a hamatoma? Not hematoma. Yeah. Hematoma is, you know, uh, no. kind of a blood collection. Uh, this is a hamatoma. What's that? Yeah, hamatoma is, uh, is a bit of a puzzle um, because what it is, is is a benign proliferation, which is where all of the elements of the breast grow in a, in a little bit, in a, in a focus, a, a discrete area where they all grow in a slightly disordered fashion, but they're not disordered as in messy and malignant because it's not malignant. They just grow in a, in a slightly different arrangement to normal. Um, and the problem that that causes is that clinically or radiologically, you guys may see a lump and then you think, well, what's that? So you put a needle in it. And all I see is normal breast tissue because all of the elements of the normal breast are there. And so it's not uncommon to have a couple of biopsies from a hamartoma because the first time you put a needle in it, the pathologist might say, oh, this is normal breast tissue. And we give it a B1 code, which means normal breast. And that's usually a trigger uh, for the radiologist to think, oh, um, well, I can see a nodule, I can see a lump, we must have missed. It's only when the the radiologists and the pathologists get together generally and they look at it and then puzzle this over and say, actually, um, this could be a hamartoma. Then we realise that the uh, spatial arrangements of the tissue in the core biopsy can be a little bit funny um, or it can still look like completely normal breast tissue because bear in mind, we don't we may not see those spatial arrangements because the core biopsy can be at any angle. Um, and so uh, we'll often just see normal tissue. And that that can in itself be a finding that's compatible with a hamartoma. Right. But I don't think I could ever necessarily, without the clinical correlation, I couldn't, I couldn't really distinguish between a, a, a normal breast tissue biopsy and a hamartoma in a blinded side-by-side challenge without any clinical information. 
Right. Well, that's that's really interesting, isn't it? It just goes to show that, you know, that's why we do triple assessment when when patients come into the one-stop breast clinic. We'll clinically assess them, we'll get scanned. Exactly. We do a biopsy if necessary. And with all of that information from those three, then we can, you know, we can say, oh, actually, we are very happy that, okay, it's, it's normal breast tissue, but it's a hematoma because of the radiology and clinical findings. And we're happy we don't need to do anything more. And you'll be, you're happy that you've got normal breast tissue, despite the fact that yeah. the patient has a lump. Yeah, absolutely. So hematomas are benign. We don't need to worry about them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Great. So the last thing I want to talk about is microcalcification and, and you know, microcalcification are findings that we normally see on mammograms and there's benign microcalcification. There's obviously there's malignant microcalcification, but can you tell us what microcalcification is? Yeah. So, um, Microcalcification is uh, where calcium, like chalk, uh, appears in very, very, very tiny um, droplets. And it's often where secretions in the breast have over time um, sort of solidified and and undergone a chemical change where they they become calcium. And that calcium, uh, just as you can imagine, it would be a bit like chalk. It would be firm and gritty. if you had it in your finger, it can be very solid. And that appears as fine flecks of calcification on an X-ray. So microcalcification is often something that shows up on a mammogram first off. And it's not usually something that unless it's in a an otherwise palpable one that can be felt lump, it's not of itself palpable. It's something that shows up on an, on imaging. And it can turn up in all sorts of processes. It can be a consequence of inflammatory processes as well as a number of epithelial proliferations. In terms of benign microcalcification, it can be, in a small amount, an entirely normal finding in the normal breast. Um, So normal breast tissue can occasionally have tiny microcalcifications, but they tend to be very small. The most common thing where we find uh, microcalcifications radiologically is uh, a thing called columnar cell change. And that's something that we see where um, the, the very tiny ducts and the lobules um, in the breast, um, in the glands and the ducts that drain them, um, the cells just grow a little taller than they normally are. And it's an early proliferative change that we're learning more and more about but it is in itself benign. And it's just, it's such a common finding when we see radiological fine calcification, it often turns out to be columnar cell change. Right. The columnar cell change itself can undergo lots of changes. So it can develop hyperplasia and it can uh, become atypical. Um, but we're still figuring out through uh, genomics, which is the, the the study of the genome, the the, the mutations within these uh, conditions, we're still learning out how it relates to low grade carcinomas. But there is a condition that columnar cell change is sort of related to, called again, it's a slightly technical um, name, flat epithelial atypia, uh, but it's not quite the same as a columnar cell change, but it's in the same family, and that can progress um, and it is linked to some of the low-grade low grade malignancies. But in terms of benign microcalcifications, the most usual thing is columnar cell change, and that in itself um, is not something to worry about. 
but it is something that obviously triggers investigation. Right. More coarse and malignant microcalcification is often something we see with ductal carcinoma in situ. But again, you can get coarser calcifications for uh, inflammatory reasons as well, but they're, they're always investigated, aren't they, yeah. um, radiologically? One of the questions that we do get is, you know, these calcifications, it's calcium. So does that have anything to do with my calcium levels um, in, in my body? And the answer to that is no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's nothing. That's right. We, we talk about dystrophic calcification, which is, um, you know, not, not in itself a reaction, not in itself any reflection of the body's biochemistry. Um, it's more a reaction to local changes that are happening in the tissue at that at that place. Yeah, so it's it's all a consequence of cellular level changes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the um, top of the pops of <laughs> of <laughs> non cancerous or benign. Uh, I thought we were going to have a countdown. <laughs> um, I think we've we've kind of done most of them. I think that's been really really helpful. Thank you so much. You know, as I mentioned, and you you rightly said earlier, it's you know we're going through this um, one by one, and yes, of course, some of them do present um, on their own, such as cysts or fibroadenomas or phyloides. But there are other the other ones that we've uh, we've talked about. They do they come together um, as a group of entities, and you know, mm. based on the overall picture, we 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 can you know we can decide what that actually means, but. I think it's really interesting to just dissect them one by one and talk about it more. And, you know, hopefully it would um, help people understand it a little bit more. And I think we, we got a, a bit of a Latin lesson today because a lot of these are derived from Latin. Words, aren't they? <laughs> I blame my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, we, 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 we like to use technical terms, but I think I think the thing is that classifying these things is often quite complicated. Um, but hopefully something like this helps people to understand that in terms of what it means, there's there are some simple explanations for some of these things. And, and uh, hopefully we can give a little bit of reassurance when, when people understand what some of these things they see in reports actually actually mean. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Peter, once again, for for your expertise and for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And um, and I hope to to see you soon. Thank you, Tasha. Likewise. Thank you once again to Dr. Peter Davis for his time and expertise. Now, if you haven't done so yet, I would really love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at Dr. Tasha G, so that's D-R Tasha G, either on Twitter or on Instagram. And yeah, just say hello. You can either suggest certain topics that you may want me to talk about or if you have somebody in mind that you would like me to interview, you could suggest that too. So do connect with me over on those platforms. In the meantime, stay healthy and safe, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.